When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's Coach and Coordinator Best of episode, we share ideas on building the player-coach relationship. I think for all of us, this is something that's very important, and maybe sometimes we overcomplicate it. And you're going to hear from coaches today who have some very simple things they do to build the player-coach relationship. I want to kick things off today by sharing what I put in our coaches' manuals, our philosophy on building the player-coach relationship. And I felt that this was the most important section of our coaches' manual. It's something I did as an offensive coordinator as well in, in building our offensive staff. So it starts with a quote. There are two powers in the world, the sword and the spirit. In the long run, the sword will always be conquered by the spirit. Napoleon said that. And then I included this introductory paragraph. The way we motivate our players is as important to what we do as our technical and strategical knowledge of the game of football. There are many motivational concepts and philosophies, but ours will be built around the ideas of trust, respect, caring, and honesty. Yelling and over-disciplining does not lead to a better team. A lot of people do not respond well to anger, especially young people. Sure, at times you might raise your voice, but it will never be in anger. Only raise your voice if it might be deemed necessary to get a point across during practice, games, etc. As a coach, once you show them that you are acting out of care and not as a dictator, you can earn the trust of your players. When you have their trust, they'll be more receptive to constructive criticism that you might give them and are more willing to listen to suggestions. Also, when a coach earns his player's trust, they can then earn the respect of the player. Respect is the most important ingredient to a strong coach-player bond. If the player knows you are looking out for them and want to help them, they will respond by working harder to keep the coach's respect and hard work will lead to success. But you cannot have success without trust, respect, caring, and honesty. From there, I included 15 coaching points on building trust and establishing relationships. I share that in one of the podcasts that I put together on this, and I'll link that one in the show notes. But today, we went through and picked out five coaches who had some great insight into building the relationship and I feel some very simple things that everybody can do. So we're going to start out with one from Ola Adams who is now the assistant defensive backs coach for the Denver Broncos. And in listening to this one, it reminded me of my early days as a teacher. In one of my first teacher evaluations, I had to fill out a form beforehand and there was a question at the top of one page and then the rest of the page was for me to write 
in the blank and fill this in. And the question was something to the effect of what are your methods to build rapport with your students? And I wrote one simple sentence. I talk to them. And to me, it is that simple. It starts with talking and that's what Ola Adams does here. And it's something that he incorporates with a walk. As he'll explain, it's something that he developed during the pandemic, but continues to do it with his players. Yeah, I'll be honest, you know, how it started was like, there's a lot of uncertainty coming back, you know, around August last year, uh, COVID was kind of raging out of control. And, and to be honest, I wanted to do everything outside when we first got back. You know, I wanted to meet with players outside. I didn't want to be inside that much personally. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Um, so what we did is we started meeting with the guys outside and just doing as much as we could outside. Um, but, you know, I've never had a lot of time in the fall because we're always playing and, and we didn't get to play this fall. So here we are with, with a ton of time at, at like 11 a.m. You know, I've never been free at 11 a.m. my whole career. So I just started, um, you know, just scheduling a player a day, you know, to, to come take a walk with me. You know, because over COVID, um, over the quarantine is when I first started going on walks. First time in my life that I started going out on walks. And it it did a number on me, you know, just clearing my mind and, and, and just did some little wonders for me. So I would tell my players, you know, hey, man, you guys should go on walks. And uh, one player asked me if he can go on the walk with me. And, and that's kind of how it started. You know, me and the first walk we took, we probably walked maybe a couple miles from the campus. We were gone for a couple hours. You know, we just found a nice field and just kind of sat there and talked, you know. So at the end of the day, um, every walk that I take, you know, with different players is different. You know, I'll tell you one walk. Um, I took a true freshman that I recruited. Um, you know, we're in a nice area at Villanova. So, you know, I kind of depart on the same path and then I veer some way somewhere along the way and uh this time you know i made a right instead of making a left and here we are boom right at a, right at a ferrari dealership right so <laughs> you know so i see the guy that works at the ferrari dealership outside i said hey man uh, i said hey can we come in and uh he said yeah you know because he could see we were villanova people and um so me and this player we walk in the ferrari dealership and, and I get a picture uh, of the kid in front of the Ferrari, and I send it to the kid, and, and now I call him Ferrari, you know? So it's it's like, that's like a priceless moment, um, an inspirational moment, you know? If you're a college 18-year-old standing in front of a Ferrari, you know, uh, having, a having you know, just a random walk with your defensive coordinator, you know, I really just wanted to show those guys, you know, honestly, how much I love them, you know, how invested I am in them. Um, I wanted every individual to feel important. You know, it's very hard right now to get on a Zoom call with the whole defense and make everybody feel like they're being touched. Right. You, you got me? So at the end of the day, you know, taking one guy out at a time, even if other guys saw me take one guy out, they, they look at it and they say, coach is trying to do something to get to know us. And, um, I just think, you know, that that's important because, number one, it opens up the lines of communication. Some of these players told me things that I did not know. 
So, like, as a coach sometimes, like, we think we know what's going on with the players, but we also know we don't know everything. But, like, they volunteered some information to me. You know, some were personal information that was between me and them. I couldn't, I can't even tell my head coach some of the things that were said. But that's the, the sacredness of our relationship. So, um, just giving um, all the players the ability to feel comfortable um, around me that I'm just like them. You know, I always try to make sure that they understand, you know, that I'm just like them. Um, and we're, we're in this together. Um, I don't always want them to see me in a coaching role. I just want to be able to walk and relax, you know, and, and have a conversation and be, you know, friends or mentor and mentee, you know. But when you're always doing football, you know, that doesn't work today. You know, you got to get these kids to love you. And then they'll run through a wall for you. But if they don't love you, then football is irrelevant. They're not going to play hard for you or they're going to transfer and leave or, you know, everybody knows what's going on. So, you know, I really want to uh, just make sure that I'm doing everything that I can uh, to build, you know, the best relationship I can, you know, with as many players as I can. Because, you know, it's hard to, to touch every single person, but, you know, we do the best that we can. A lot of us will tell our players that we have an open-door policy. You can come into my office anytime. But they do some things at Coastal Carolina to be sure that this is happening, to be sure that those players are coming through the door, and they call it CPR time. And offensive line coach Bill Durkin explains that here. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, we're big on acronyms here. We got quite a few, we got a few acronyms that we uh, utilize. Um around here and uh one of the big ones is bam um which really started with uh joe moglia um who was our previous head coach and is still involved with the program but that was be a man and it's not about being a big macho tough guy but it's about being a person and for us in football it's males so it was be a man but a but a person you treat your treat people right um, you stand on your own two feet and make decisions for yourself, and you understand that you're going to live with the consequences of those actions. Um, and that's a big one for us. But the other one there is CPR. And uh, CPR is uh, it's about the heart, but it's about the clo- coach-player relationship. And that's what that acronym is. And what we do is, you know, again, in, in going through with uh, making sure that they understand that we care about them more than just what they do on the football field. Um, we have what we call CPR time and it's hard during the season. Um, we try hard to fit it in, but we really work hard in the off season of having dedicated time throughout the course of the day built in where, okay, this is what we're doing and it's CPR time and our doors are open and it's bringing guys in and talking to them about everything but football. Um, you know, how's the family, how are the, uh, how's the girlfriend, how is, you know, anything and everything that's on the, that might be on their mind, how's school, uh, you know, what are the things that are good, bad, ugly in their life right now that we can help and get to know. And, um, like I said, when they know that you care about them beyond what it is that they are asked to perform on the field, then they're, they're going to give you everything they got and, and trust you and, and it's a good way to get to know the guys so you know which I, I firmly believe this as a coach that there's certain guys, man, you know, you can ride them all day and they'll respond. And that's the way they need to be treated to respond, knowing that they care, but ride them. 
And other guys, if you yell at them one time or look at them cross-eyed, they're just shut down and they're done with. So it's about figuring out what those guys, the right buttons to push on right, the right times um, in order to get them to react the way that you want them to react so that they can be their best and reach their potential. Now, I know as coaches, we all have that open door policy and you've been at a lot of good places that I'm sure has had the open door policy, but having something like this specifically where you've set aside time for, you know, that, that coach player relationship, do you feel this is, you know, a strategy that maybe works a little bit better in helping those develop those relationships? I think a hundred percent. Cause you know, as co- I, I've said this for, again, I've been doing this a long time and I, don't even realize how I became the old guy. All right. I just turned 50 and I remember being the the young guy running around and making the copies and trying to figure out how to turn the computers, make them work, you know, and now I'm the old guy, but um, I firmly believe that, you know, as a coach, we're notorious. Football coaches are notorious for wasting time. You know, we chop it up. We're with our guys, but you know, we get along well and that's a big part of success, but, you also sometimes got to dial it in and say, okay, listen, we're going to get this done and then we can move on to something else. Well, what this does, and Coach Moglia was great with this, with our schedule, and he's like, listen, when it's recruiting time, whatever time of the day that is designated to do whatever task it is that's set aside, we're, we're going to do that. Okay. Now, if you have something you have to finish, you have to learn how to adjust and adapt and, and take care of what's you know important. You prioritize what's important. But when we have a certain set amount of time to do this, we need to do it. And, you know, you would say that, hey, my door is always open and come by when you want. But when you have time that is set aside and it's in your day and you tell the guys, hey, listen, and maybe it's like, all right, hey, uh, Keith, I want to see you on Wednesday. Come by at 430 so we can catch up. It's it's perfect. It's awesome. I think it works really well. And uh, I recommend it. Many of us have had that experience of being a classroom teacher and what it takes to set our room up for success. And that's a lot of what Bob Wiley does here to set up his players for having a strong relationship with him and with each other in the way that he sets up his room and some of the things that they pay attention to. And in some ways, it does remind me of a classroom and how he does this. But I think it really helps him to develop that rapport with his players and as he's going to say here in the beginning, let them know that he cares. Players don't care how much you know. At least not in pro football. Players care how much you care. Players care how much you care about them as people first, right? and then players second. That's a big thing. And it can't be a, a fake caring. You know, you got you got to care about those guys. I know. I get all their birthdays, and if we're in season or they're in the building. And it's their birthday. There's going to be a cake in that room with his name on it and a candle. That's going to happen. You know what I mean? Their wives are going to get flowers on their anniversaries. That's going to happen because they're going to forget to send them. You know what I mean? (laughs) I always buy toys and stuff for the kids. So when they bring their kids in, that I got something to give the kids. The meeting room is set up in a way. It's kind of really a unique way I set up the meeting rooms. I've been doing it for a long time now. They are set up comfort style, yeah. you know, and when you first walk in the meeting room, right, the first thing you see is the family board. So I want them to bring in a picture of the people or person or dog or cat or goldfish, doesn't matter, who's the most important in your life. 
I want that picture. Give me that picture, and we're going to put it up on the family board. Because ultimately, that's what you're playing for. Mm -hmm. The organization is just giving you the right to play for those people. That's all they're doing. So I want you to watch that. Look at that. Every day when you walk through the door, that's the first thing you're going to see. On the other side of the room, I have a board called In the Beginning. Now, I want you to bring in your picture when you played Pop Warner, junior high school, high school football. You bring that in. We're going to put that picture up on the board. Coaches, too. Because that's what you played, right? And you weren't getting a scholarship. You didn't get paid. You played because you had a passion for the game and you loved playing the game of football. That's where you play. Now somebody goes on and says, as you go through your high school career, somebody says, and you're going to college, and you finish, you get towards the end of your college career. Now some guys will walk on. They love it so much, they walk on because they still want to play, and they earn a scholarship. Some guys get scholarship right out of high school. They're all different. But you continue playing after high school. And then somebody says, hey, you guys are good enough to be drafted. Right, and they draft you, and you get to sit in one of these seats. And I got these beautiful big man chairs. They lean back. They're gorgeous chairs. Like they they bought, and a, and it's set up in a conference style, not classroom, conference style. And I tell them, oh, guys, you I don't care how you get one of these seats. If you get one of these seats, then you get a chance to make this team. Right, and it doesn't matter how you get here. You know, you can be drafted. Right, you could be a free agent signing, right? You could you could have been traded for. It doesn't matter, right? If you have one of these seats, you have a chance to make the team. And I didn't like the classroom style for you guys that can do it, yeah. right? Because if the guy in the back room makes a mistake, those guys in the front don't turn around and look at that guy. They just keep looking at the screen in front of them. But when you sit them conference style around the table the conference table they look at each other you can't hide there's no place to hide and then the room itself with you know for halloween we decorated for halloween <laughs> we have candy all the players come in and get a piece of candy and stuff so on and so forth and then we decorated for thanksgiving you know we put all the thanksgiving decorations up then we decorated for christmas and we have a, a Christmas, like a, uh, a Kris Kringle or a Dirty Santa or a Bad Santa or whatever you call that, okay? And everybody, we have a dollar figure that we set it at, okay? Everybody buys a gift. They wrap it. They put it under the tree. And it goes in order of seniority. Now, I'm usually the oldest guy with seniority in the room. So the first guy takes the gift, opens it up at any what he wants. The second guy takes a gift opens it up. If he doesn't like it, he can take the first guy's gift. You know? So it goes like that until all the gifts are gone and I get to pick the one I want. Oh, the players love it. They absolutely love it. You create that atmosphere with them. You create that atmosphere with them to show them the, the, the sincerity that you have for them as people first and players second. And you'd be surprised by how hard they'll play for you. Communication is such a big part of this, and that's exactly what Coach Terry Joseph, who is the passing game coordinator and secondary coach for Texas, points out in this next segment. 
This segment is taken from the Louisiana Football Coaches Association Clinic, and he shares a great analogy here that I think helps you maybe think about how you communicate with your players and making sure they understand that the message is the most important part. As we get into talking about relationships, the one thing I want to emphasize to everyone is never underestimate the value of your relationships with your players. I mean, these relationships are huge. And my coaches have had a tremendous impact uh, on my life and my career. Um, Started from Little League all the way through my professional career. I mean, Coach Hank at Shaw, I still talk to him two or three times a week. Uh, Jay Rott, he was uh, my position coach in high school, still talk to him on a regular basis. And um, my baseball coach in high school, Pat O'Shea, uh, he passed away a few years ago, but I, as an adult, I remain close to those guys because of the impact that they had on my life. So never, never undervalue uh, the relationship that you're building with your players. Okay. And so as we get started here talking about building relationships, I think when you start talking about the relationships with players, you're really talking about three main components. And number one is communication and trust. And that's going to be a hard one. And we'll talk about it later because in in these days, 2021, the guys really don't know how to communicate well. And so we have to do a great job as coaches of really showing them the way of the proper way to communicate with social media, uh, with cell phones, face-to-face, eye-to-eye communication uh, is not real strong in in our society. So as as coaches, it's up to us uh, to show them the way how to uh, communicate in in a proper manner. Trust, uh, you're going to develop that over time, right? You got to be patient and work my way to that that feeling that they trust you. You know, you can't rush that. That's just going to happen. Um, I think number two is understanding that all of the players are different, you know, for all different reasons, they're different. And then realizing that they know, they know a lot more than we give them credit for most of the time. So I think as a coach, those three things are the things that I'll focus on communication and trust, understanding that they're all different and realizing uh, that they know, you know, when we talk about communication, it's a two race, two way street, but often um, that communication from the player is not direct. Um, as a coach, you almost got to be a, a private investigator because you got to sometimes figure things out based on the nonverbal communication, uh, classroom performance, bad moods, why are they mood swings? So it's a two-way street. However, you're going to have to do more poking and priding uh, to get information because they're not going to give that communication to you. And so as a coach, always got to have my antennas up for things that seem a little out of whack. And, you know, these days we read stories every day about uh, a little thing uh, becoming a big thing. And so uh, we got to keep paving away on that two-way street, if that makes sense. Uh, The communication and trust requires constant, consistent attention because you can't take anything for granted. And, you know, one thing I I have a rule with my players that we don't text, DM, uh, bad bad news. Like we always have face-to-face conversations, whether I have bad news for them or they have bad news for me. And I think that's kind of building um, them to be better communicators, like forcing them to look you in the eye and, and have some tough conversations with them. Because as they become a man and grow up as an adult, they're going to have to have those uh, conversations face-to-face. Um, I think all players want to be treated fair. And, but they also want to be told the truth. They don't want to be um, living a, a dream that's not a reality. 
And I think as coaches, it's our job to uh, give them what is really realistic. And you don't want to kill their dreams, but I think also we have to shape it to where, hey, this is possible, this is not possible. And let them understand that, hey, this is probably the, the maximum that you can get. And this is the minimum because I think uh, this society is a little overblown on everybody being superstars. And I think they want to hear the truth. And I think they will appreciate that. Maybe not tomorrow, but as the relationship builds, they will. Um, and that last bullet point, it's huge for me. Take the message, not the method. And this for me uh, comes into play because a lot of the players treat me like a man, treat me like respect. Uh, don't disrespect me talking to me that way. And I tell them a story all the time. It's real simple for me. And I ask, them, I ask my players, if I offered you a million dollars, would you take it? And all of them says, oh, yeah, coach, I'll definitely take a million dollars. And I said, okay, I'm going to mail a check from California to Louisiana. Would you still take the million dollars? They're like, yeah, I would, coach. I said, okay, I'm going to give you a million dollars in pennies. And I'm going to drive it from Colorado uh, to Louisiana. And it's going to take me five days. Would you still take the million dollars? They're like, yeah, coach. I said, okay, I'm going to give you a direct deposit and it'll be there instantly. Would you still take the million dollars? They're like, yeah. And they look at me like, so what's the point? And my point to them is that take the message. You took the million dollars with every, any method that I gave the million dollars to you, you took the million dollars. Take, do the same thing with the message. Whether I scream it, whether I use not so good language, whether I write it down, whether I text you, take the message, not necessarily the method. And so I think that's important for players to understand that the information I'm giving you is, is not to upset you. Take the message that I'm trying to give you. And then I think we can benefit um, from that. So that last bullet uh, to me uh, is, is very, very important. Our final segment is from Brian Polian, who is special teams coordinator for LSU. He wrote a book on coaching Generation Z and shared some of those insights on an entire podcast. You're going to want to check that one out for sure. All the links to each of these full podcasts are in the show notes. But in this one, Coach Polian points out how important it is to understand that this is a two-way street, and he offers his suggestions on how to build that relationship with the player and especially helping him through transitions? Well, I mean, the first thing is we have to be interested in their lives. I think a lot of coaches mistake sharing what's going on in their own lives as building relationships. A relationship is a two-way street. So just by sitting down with a young person and saying, hey, listen about what my wife's doing. Let me tell you about my kids. That's not a two-way street. And, And so saying, hey, tell me about where you're from. Tell me about your upbringing. Who's most influential in your life? Um, and, and just simply being an intentional listener and being invested in the details of our student athletes' lives. That's first. And then you're trying to understand, um, you know, I, I, had, I had one young man I recruited at the University of Nevada say, Coach, I was never used to being around white men in my life. I mean, I didn't have, you know, any white men in my neighborhood that, that were involved in my life, you know? So even that dynamic 
took some time to adjust. I would have never thought about that. So I, I think just listening and understanding where guys are from and what their challenges and what, you know, the things that they've excelled at, you know, what has their journey been like before they get to you and you guys begin building relationship? Then how can we help through transition? I mean, when a young person leaves home and goes to college or a young person leaves middle school or junior high and enters high school, that transition is different for everybody. And I think we often assume that it should be seamless. I used to think, hey, you know, I'm bringing these kids to this beautiful campus. This this should be easy, man. Life is great here. Well, we have no understanding that sometimes bringing a kid 2,000 miles away from home onto a college campus is like bringing them to a foreign um, a foreign country. I mean, we have to provide support through those transitions, even to the point it's like, okay, if you have a if you have a confrontation or a disagreement in the dorm, this is how we deal with it. Like, we have to provide support through these transitions. Uh, and, and another way is is being mindful of the words that we choose and and you know understanding what a microaggression is and and you know I never thought about those things I never understood the the definitions of those terms and 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 you know I've had a guy tell me hey you know words matter and if you choose the wrong words that has an effect and we need more coaches. Uh, no matter who they're dealing with, to do a better job of thinking about what they want to say and choosing their words wisely. And those are just a couple of examples that, you know, we, we, we talk about in the book. General Omar Bradley, who was a five-star general of the Allied armies in World War II, had a great quote, and it went like this, the greatest leader in the world could never win a campaign unless he understood the men he had to lead. That understanding is very important. It only happens when you're able to build those relationships. And I feel that what these coaches shared today and in their entire episodes is something that can help you build your relationships, build a stronger team, build a stronger unit in 2023. Make sure you check out the show notes to the links for all of these episodes and other related episodes. And follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.